0: Welcome back to another episode of My Mess Is My Message. My name is Allie and I'm very excited to be with you all today. Today on the podcast, I have Mallory Page who is a dietitian focused on helping women create a healthy relationship with food, exercise and their body image. She specifically works with those women who are stuck in mental loops that are not allowing them to move forward. During today's episode, we talk about what led Mallory to pursue her career as a dietitian and what her experience with food, exercise and body has been over the years. She talks about her recovery and how incredible it is to find freedom with food and exercise. She talks about what a healthy relationship around those things could look like and shares advice of how to get there. She really shares valuable insights, so I cannot wait for you to listen. So let's get into it. Hey, Mallory, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. I'm good. I'm so excited for you to be on. I'm like so excited to get into today's discussion, just because I discovered your content recently and I find so much value in everything that you do, and also just I resonate a lot with your story. So I'd love to just first start off with you introducing yourself to the audience, who you are, and what you do.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to get into everything as well. So I'm Mallory Page. I am a registered dietitian, but I focus on the food freedom side of dietetics. I feel like everyone has very different ideas of what a dietitian is, and also there's confusion on dietitian versus nutritionist, so I always specify And I am here living in Austin, Texas, where I run my own private practice, but it's virtual. So I work with people all over, and I've been doing that for about two and a half years now.
0: Very cool. And just because you mentioned it, what is the difference between dietitian and nutritionist?
1: Yeah, so a dietitian, you have to go to school. So you have to go to get a dietetics degree in some type of accredited university. So you can't just do it like as an offshoot type of program. And then after you do that, you have to apply to an internship. It's very competitive process. Go through an unpaid, like six to the least to like two year, three year internship, depending on which one you choose. And then finally you have to take a board exam. And now they're also requiring a master's. Thank the Lord they did not do that when I was in there. (laughs) So now you have to go to master's too. And a nutritionist, the thing that's really hard about a nutritionist, it's not that there can't be great nutritionists, but there is no regulation to what that is. So anyone out there could put a nutritionist in their bio and they could say they're a nutritionist or they could do another program out there. A lot of people will do IIN or they'll do, there's so many. So it's not to say that a dietitian is better than a nutritionist. They're definitely nutritionists that are wonderful but there is just more schooling required. So you always know what you're getting with a dietitian for sure and what they've done.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. So thank you for clarifying. Do you work on your own as a dietitian or do you work for a certain practice or how does that typically work?
1: Yeah. So there's so many things you can go into. Clinical nutrition is a huge field. So that's where you work in a hospital or another place. And we get very scientific in the stuff that we do. So it's like you're calculating, differential nutrition where you're doing like IV feeding or tube feeding. So there's crazy stuff that you can do, but then that can be totally different in people that work in schools or you can work in sports nutrition, or a lot of people do work in private practice at some point because it's the more lucrative position and also the more, uh, it's just more freedom in Mm -hmm. what you do. So there's tons of variation, but that's some of the most common that you'll see out of going out of the, the dietetics realm.
0: Okay, cool. That makes a lot of sense. And before we get into more on your career as a dietitian, I would love to just talk about, I know on Instagram and other social media platforms, you've been open about just having an eating disorder. So I'd love to just talk a little bit more about that experience for you.
1: Yeah. So my journey is kind of all over the place. I started struggling all the way back to My sophomore year of high school, and before that, I really had no idea what it would have been like to struggle with my relationship with food. I think many people can relate to that. Like You feel totally good, and then all of a sudden, you're like, wait, what is going on? But the funny thing is, is I really didn't know that I was struggling. I just thought that I was really healthy, and I especially combined this idea of being quote-unquote really healthy with athleticism and sports, so it was really easy to mask So I dealt with that denial phase for around, honestly, like maybe two, three, even four years. There was a mix of that until I finally recognized that I was struggling in college. Now, from when I recognized that I was struggling to my recovery and being fully recovered was all up and down and every which way you could imagine, it was not a pretty exemplary journey. And I had many relapses. I tried to do most things on my own, which was a huge mistake. And I tried a bunch of different things. And ultimately, most of the time, ended up transferring around. Like, I would be obsessed with health and calories and exercise and whatever else it could be. But finally, as I started to get some help and also hit somewhat of a rock bottom that (laughs) led me to getting that help, I was able to come out on the other side as fully recovered and now have had a really strong relationship with food and exercise in my body for multiple years now. So that's a very short version of it because there's a lot of details, but we can get into those if those are something that are pertinent.
0: Yeah, no, of course. I mean, I can relate to that as well. And I can really relate to the part of what you're saying, just like trying to navigate it on your your own, which I think can be very, very difficult and very scary. So I would love to just know what like made you finally decide to get the help that you, um, you needed and what was kind of different about like the approach when you started getting help versus just doing it on your own?
1: Yeah, so things that prevented me from getting help were that I thought I should know what to do because I was studying to be a dietitian. I didn't have a ton of funds accessible to pay for help, even if I had wanted to get it and that did hold me back. And then also struggling to feel like I knew what help would resonate with me because that's actually a really hard piece of it too. So those things all really held me back. And so what I tried to do in getting help was fumble my way through a bunch of different things that I kind of knew that I should do, like eating enough, eating different foods that I was avoiding, so on and so forth. But I wasn't able to really acknowledge all of the different things that I was doing that were disordered, especially because I was dealing with orthorexia and exercise obsession. And so many of those things were deemed healthy, even by the stuff I was learning in the day to day in my program. So I felt even more isolating to think about doing that. And I would like to say that I had this really beautiful revelation where I just recognized that... I needed to get help and I wanted to heal for myself, but that was just not the reality. I just hit a complete rock bottom that pretty much stopped my life moving forward. I was struggling so much with my mental health, my physical health, and ended up having to be hospitalized, not for an eating disorder, but for the mental effects of everything that I was dealing with. And so that was the point where I recognized that I needed to get help and sought out therapy. And through going to therapy, I was able to recognize how big of a role the eating was playing. Because I still was even in denial at the rock bottom that food was playing such a big role. I thought it was more of the stress. But so much of my stress was due to the food and exercise and body image stuff that I was putting on myself. So that is a little bit of what it looked like and once i got help it it just really helped me to see that and i wish so much that i had worked with a dietitian especially in the earlier piece because it would have made such a difference in just everything so
0: yeah, no, totally. I can completely like agree with what you're saying. Just trying to navigate on yourself can be really like mentally exhausting too, just because I feel like it takes up a lot of mind space trying to navigate it on your own and getting the guidance of someone else is really helpful just to have a professional kind of tell you like you're on the right path and giving you some ha- like different techniques to go through it. Um, but how did you navigate finding the right person to help you um, get like the help that was necessary? Because I feel like that can sometimes be a barrier as well. It's just, I feel like there's a lot of options out there, but just trying to decide which is the best for you. Totally.
1: This is another, pretty much everything with my journey is do as I say, not as I do. Obviously, I'm not telling you like, do as I say, but (laughs) it's really all the same with everything that I did. I was just super lucky that I got a good therapist through my school, like campus health. Otherwise... (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I seriously just got matched with this woman that was like the most heavenly woman alive and I just got lucky. But most people that go through it in that way are not that. And also you really should be looking for someone that knows how to deal with eating disorders and disordered eating is very familiar with that. Otherwise, that's not going to be helpful to you, at least in the realm of what we're talking about right now with food and exercise. And I would say that for someone that is going to try to get help for struggling with these things, ideally you would like to, you would, should have a team. So depending on severity, you would have some type of doctor that is just supervising kind of like your vitals and stuff, but not everyone is going to do that, especially if they're not, physically presenting as sick although that's really sad that that's how the system is set up that's just the truth but having a dietitian that can give you more of the actual recommendations on how to change what you are eating and how you are moving is huge but then also having a therapist that can help you with the mental piece of it is super important too but Obviously not everyone has the funds to be able to do both of those at the same time. So you can always vary those. And I would say that finding those people is a lot of experimentation and not judging yourself. If you don't click with someone in your first session, allow yourself to test out a bunch of different people. If you need to, to find who really resonates with you.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's super helpful information. And so once you finally got the help you needed and you really recovered, what do you credit a lot of like, um, kind of the strategies you use to really gain that freedom around food, exercise, and you like having a good relationship with your body.
1: I feel like the biggest things that help are pairing the mental and physical changes together. And that is something that I personally believe is missed very often within the bigger system of people trying to work through these things. Because you could go to more of like a traditional treatment or whatever it may be. And they're mostly focusing on the physical, although they may have like therapists and stuff. It's a lot of the physical steps. And then you could go to a therapist who obviously therapists are also amazing, but they're more on the mental steps and not as much the physical. So in order to actually be able to handle the physical changes I was making with what I was eating and exercising less, I needed to adjust my mindset around body image and add in new coping mechanisms and all of that type of stuff. And doing that kind of hand in hand, step by step is what allowed me to not freak out, (laughs) not relapse. Cause I had done both sides. I had just changed physical before, and I had just tried to change mental before and neither really worked. I needed to combine them, but I know that that's a little bit less tangible. So I feel like the tangible aspects are just taking really small steps over and over again. That is just the annoying answer that we all hear in like every element of life. It's just like, we'll just take it step by step. But it's honestly so true, unfortunately. <laughs>
0: No, it truly really is. And like, I feel like step-by-step step with like exposure, like almost like exposing yourself to things that you're super mm-hmm. uncomfortable with and just like over time doing it, you're, you'll get a lot more comfortable and you realize like it doesn't really have an effect on you or it's not really a big deal. Um, but I would love to just like hear from you, like since recovering like being in like that and being in that place where you're maybe struggling a little bit more to now being recovered, how is your life different? I can imagine it's a lot better, but just like, what are some things that you'd like to call out like that are different about the two?
1: It's so hard to even put them into words because I wish that I could just give someone like a snippet of what it felt like to be in both phases. And obviously keep in mind too, that my mental health was so different, not even just attributed to the eating disorder and disordered eating, but I felt like existing within my eating disorder and mental health space and exercise problems when I was in the thick of it, was like being trapped in a cage that you created on your own. I literally was constantly anxious, obsessing, fixated, unable to move past the present moment, self-focused and obsessed. Even at times, I would really not be able to... like think about other people, it it was so challenging to think back on who I was because it was truly a shell of myself and it affected my experiences, my jobs, my school. And that was what made it even worse is I still had such high perfectionistic standards for those things that I would just run myself into the ground. So it was just such a horrible cycle that I put together And now I just feel, although I still have struggles with my mental health, like those go up and down My the food and exercise and body image, it's taken out of that. And it's like a whole weight that is just lifted off. And to feel like you can actually appreciate your relationships, your experiences, your job, and put your mental energy towards that is an inexplicably wonderful feeling when you've had the comparison of how much these things truly can affect you. And that's not even mentioning like the physical aspects of it and everything else. That's really just touching on the mental and kind of life driven pieces of the transformation.
0: Mm-hmm. No, exactly. I can very much relate to that. And it's just it when you're in that place of like struggling, it is like you mentioned, like you're so focused on yourself. And it's like it controls your life and you have all your mental spaces like taken if it's like it's just on food and like exercise and your body and things like that. And when you finally like kind of like go of it all and you heal and everything, you have a lot more time to spend with your family, be a lot more present with people. And I, I remember on your Instagram, you like posted about like, just like if you, we like zoom out from just like what we're currently doing and like all the choices we're making around food and everything, you really realize like what's actually important. It's so important because we can get so stuck in like some of these routines or these habits and we forget like why we're doing some of these to begin with. And it's like, it really is a beautiful thing to really come to that realization to like zoom out and just be like, what's really important? Is this, is it the cake I just ate or like the person that I'm with right now?
1: Yeah, 100%. When you're able to look at things just more big picture, it will really change everything. And I mean, the reality of being stuck in some of those feelings is for me, when I really got into it, it was just a coping mechanism for me. It was an ability, it was a tool that I used to handle my trauma, handle my lack of worth, my struggles with identity. It was really just a mask for so many other things that were underneath it. And it's not to minimize that food issues for the sake of food being an issue are a very real thing, but the way that our emotions and our experiences connect to that and then try to protect us from that is really real. And we can be thankful for the fact that we could utilize something to get through challenging times while also recognizing that that is not serving us anymore.
0: Mm -hmm. No, exactly. And it's really cool that once you do kind of get to the bottom of it and the root of it and start to begin to heal, like you start to have those like little wins that like you like go to like a coffee shop and you get like a, a muffin where like maybe you used to not be able to do that in the past. So it's like also like that is really exciting throughout the journey. Like I still have like wins that like I used to be scared to do and like I'll do it now and I like won't get as anxious that I used to and like that's like a win deep down and like over time those will grow and they'll become more um common and stuff like that. So that's another cool thing to call out. But um also just like shifting more to now as your career as a dietitian, when you do have clients come to you, um what or initially or what's type of clients do you actually typically target?
1: Over my time working as a dietitian I've been really able to find what they call, you know, my niche and who I love working with the most. Not because I don't like working with other people, but it is important to realize your skill sets and what you feel the most motivated to work with. So what I've found is that I love working with the women, the woman that is in her in-between state. So I always say the women that is the woman if I could speak correctly on that word My goodness, that is my ideal client, is not in the worst place they've ever been, but also not where they want to be. And they don't know how to get from this middle space that they feel stuck in to that end goal of freedom. Because there's a lot of support in that beginning part when you're in the worst place. You know, you could go to treatment, you could go to outpatient, you could work with like an extensive team. And there's obviously, a lot of support even in the more like freedom space like yeah you could find intuitive eating and like you could shape your identity more like there's more stuff that you could do there but in this in between the steps that you need to take are so different for each person and there is so little support i mean obviously i can understand I'm biased, but I've never actually found another program ever before that works with women exactly in the spot that I work in. And the reason why I created it is because of the fact that that was me. I was in that quasi recovery in between space and I didn't know what the heck to do. So it's a very fun space to work in, not because women are there because I don't want them to be there, but because getting to see people that never believed that they could have the freedom achieve it is the best thing ever.
0: Yeah, no, and I love that that's what you do because I can personally relate to like being in that stage probably the most versus like, I feel like I was got out of the struggling phase a little bit quicker, but I've been, or like in the past, like I stayed in that stage for a long period of time. So I like can understand that it's like, you're still feel a little bit trapped and not fully free, but you've made a lot of progress So what are, I know it's going to like vary by like client to client, but what are some like big recommendations you might have to someone who's stuck in that phase?
1: Yeah, this phase is so tough and this is something I grapple with all the time because I know that everyone has different abilities within their financial situation, but if possible, It really is the best to get help. And the reason why I say that is not because I work in this and I'm like, no, you should get help because you should work with me, but because it's really hard to be objective in this phase. And that is what keeps people stuck. So for example, as someone that dealt with orthorexia, an example of this would be that I had taken a lot of steps. I'd implemented a lot of foods. I was way more flexible than before. You know, I could take more rest days, but still... I would always justify by saying things like, oh, well, I just really like eating healthy foods all the time. Or like, oh yeah, well, gluten and dairy, I just think that I'm like somewhat intolerant to them. Or, oh, like I just like to work out and do HIIT workouts because that's what makes me feel best. And I'm not saying that if you resonate with those things, I'm saying you're lying because that's definitely not the case. But for me personally and for many of my clients, it's just a cover-up. And so, to be able to objectively look at yourself and t- to tell that those things are actually a part of your struggles is so tough. But if you can't work with someone, that is what you're trying to do. You are trying to really objectively figure out what is it that I am still holding on to? And then, also, the big question is, why am I holding on to it? What are these last things doing to serve me? And most often, that comes down to, Our worth, our desire to feel accepted, our identity is tied to that, or we're afraid of change in general. It's not even just the body image or just having to do it, which is often what we think. It's really these bigger picture, deeper fears and challenges that correlate to who we are that are coming up at this stage, which then we have to work through that through mindset shifts. And that's why this stuff is really hard and people get really stuck.
0: A hundred percent, and it's really important, like you mentioned, just to determine the why. Like, why am I still like doing this habit? Because once you kind of figure that out, you can start actually like, like you mentioned, like healing that and like stopping that habit. Um. So I find that so important to find like the root issue of why you're doing the habit. But what would have um what do, what do you think like freedom around food and exercise and body um really would look like?
1: For every person, it is so different. I think that's what makes it really wonderful and really challenging because you can't necessarily compare to someone else and say, oh, well, this is freedom for me, and then that should be what freedom looks like for her. But what I would say you see consistently is that you're not obsessing about food. You're not trying to maintain a certain physique. You're able to just be and know that there will be fluctuations, although they should be less frequent than what they were in the past most often than if you were like dieting or restricting and you can accept those changes with things like exercise and movement, not only are they not completely tied to your worth, but also you can take extended breaks from them and you feel just motivated and excited more often than not by the things that you're doing. We're not always going to have excitement and motivation, but it doesn't make you feel awful. you know. That's, that's a big piece of it. And also just the way that your life feels is very different. The thoughts that you have are different and less frequent. The confidence you have in your choices is stronger. And over time, that intuition that you have around what you like to eat and what makes you feel good becomes so much stronger. And so you feel like you don't have to listen to the fads or diet culturey type of things that you see about those areas that I've
0: already mentioned. Mm -hmm. No, that's all really good points. And I think sometimes when we're stuck in the disordered eating or having an eating disorder, you can kind of forget like what you really like and what like resonates well with you. So it's like almost just like finding your inner self again and realizing like what works for you um, and kind of trusting that. But I know you mentioned just like speaking on confidence. Like, where did you find your confidence, um, and like, how do you how did you build your confidence after going through something like that?
1: Yeah, Ed Milet, he is a kind of mindset type of mentor guy. He's so funny because he's so like hustle culture, when you see his stuff, like his old podcast thing used to be like him behind his like jet. And it was just like so funny, but I honestly love his messages. And something that he talks about is that building confidence comes from discipline of promising yourself something and then continually doing it even as it gets hard. And obviously there is a sense of that that can very easily feed into hustle culture and toxic ED culture, right? Because you could say, well, I'm going to do that for exercise and I'm going to do it even when I feel feels hard because I promised myself that. But also it can be used in a positive sense where, for example, I built confidence over time with food by promising to myself that. I was going to commit to learning what I actually liked. Cause as you said, I didn't even know I had convinced myself that there were foods I didn't even like, like, crazy things. It was such a lie. I mean, so sad that I took those things out, but we can't get those years back. We'll just make up for it now. (laughs) So basically it would just be me saying like, I'm going to commit to finding that out and practice it. But then let's say once I know that every single day, I have a promise to myself that I will choose what I want to eat and I will listen to my cravings and I will eat enough. And I repeat those every single day, even when it's challenging, not for reasons of feeling disordered for me now, although it would have been in the past, but for reasons like, Oh, I'm really busy today. Like, what if I just had a snack at this time instead? It's like, no, you need to have your three meals, your snacks, right? So that's just an example of what builds confidence in something like an area of food. But then I also think confidence when it comes to body image and stuff is a big conversation for women, especially. And I think in some cases, our mindset is slightly wrong because. We expect ourselves to be able to love our body and therefore feel confident, but loving our body is still attaching our worth oftentimes to how we look and we want to detach our worth from how we look and rather appreciate our body for what it does and then feed into the times where we feel good about ourselves. Like, there are days where I'm like, wow, I am so hot. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like, and you just walk around, and you're like, yeah, I'm hot. Everybody loves me. But then there are days where I'm like, oh my gosh, I literally look like a toad. Like, what is going on? Especially when I'm on my period. That's always when it's coming. And <laughs> so, in those days, if I was only focused on how I looked, I'd be like, well, you're the worst. But if I just recognize, whatever, this is just another day, I don't have to love myself every day to be confident because I know that my body is still out here crushing it living each day, then it makes it a lot easier to reframe that idea. And then the last thing that I'll say is honestly, I swear that confidence is just acting like you are confident. Like no one knows if confidence is real. I'm telling you, I've had people tell me that I come across as confident in situations where I was literally agonizing over how awkward I thought I was. So I feel like if you also feed into that on the days that you feel like you can, that's really the the perfect key to <laughs> building it over time.
0: Completely. Like sometimes you unfortunately just have to fake it until you make it. But also just like, like you were saying, like your confidence comes from within and like changing the narrative that you have in your head. Like I used to struggle so much with like not feeling enough and I constantly had to change. And I finally just kind of like switched the narrative and being like, I am enough. I don't need to change the way I look. I don't need to change the way I act. And it really like does change the way you think about yourself and you present yourself to others and you do gain a lot of confidence. But also, I also wanted to say just like coming off of your first point, just keeping the promises that you make to yourself built a lot of confidence. I think something that I kind of at the end of my journey kind of struggled with was I got in this habit of overexercising. It was during COVID and like I was working remotely and I felt like I would go on a lot of walks to get out of the house. And so I got into this habit of doing it. And I eventually realized that that was an issue. And in order to like, I don't know, I, I kept getting insecure about it because I kept doing it, but I finally was like, I need to stop. And finally, like I would kind of hold myself accountable, like knowing like I can't go on like too many walks because I won't be the best version of myself. And on the days that I wouldn't like that would go on too many walks, like I would be like super insecure and self-conscious because I knew that I wasn't keeping the promise that I knew was good for me, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. That makes complete sense. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And the way that you just laid that out shows exactly what I'm saying of how you could create something like, oh, I need to work out X amount of times in X amount of days and promise, quote unquote, yourself that. And it could be toxic But you can also flip that on the other side and be like, no, I'm going to promise myself I'm not going to do this. And you feel the effects of it either way. And it is a mindset shift where if you decide that the promise to yourself is working out every day and you don't do it, yeah, you feel like crap on that day because that's your promise. But if you decide, no, I need to work out only X amount of days for X amount of time, and then you don't keep that promise. You feel bad for not keeping the promise. So it's annoying that our mindset affects things so much because it's not the fun answer but it is something that's super important to do.
0: It really is. And like your mindset is so, it's so important that you have a good mind on your like shoulders when you're navigating all of this. Um, but I'd love to hear just more about your p- programs that you offer specifically to your clients. Yeah, so
1: the main program that I do is called Live Unrestricted. So it targets the woman that I was speaking about earlier that's in the in-between. And I created this program Because as I got into working as a private practice dietitian, I did a ton of one-on-ones. So I was kind of capped out, which then was a bummer because you're not able to serve more people then if you can't take any more clients. But also I was recognizing that the practitioner or the professional to client relationship is so important, but it doesn't replicate the peer to peer relationship of someone that is going through these struggles and makes you feel understood. So having the combination between a professional that can be in that space, if I've been there, you can get through this with a peer that's saying, oh my gosh, I'm going through this too. I don't know if I can get through it, but we're doing it together is really, really powerful more so than I would say one-on-ones on their own. So I created the group to have that dynamic through having weekly one-on-one calls as a group. And we do one-on-ones as well in the group and you get all of those elements. But then we even paired another aspect of that weekly goal setting that I discussed that you typically get in one-on-one coaching. And we do that in the group. So you're literally getting every single element of support that you can get, but even in our calls, I think that something that happens, I don't know if anyone's been to one-on-one work before, which I'm calling myself out, okay, because I did this. It's really hard to know how structured versus flexible you should be in a one-on-one setting because you want the client to guide the call, but you also want to give them the information that you need. And the group is literally the best for that because I've laid out 12 weeks of what eight different programs now or seven different programs that have gone through it have needed to hear on different topics from set point weight to when exercising is too much to how to work through your body image and all of that stuff. But then also we have time for questions and discussions in a group chat at all times on our calls. And so honestly, I feel like this is just the perfect combination of everything and I started it and it was good, but now where it is through all the changes I've made, it's just my favorite thing ever to do because I get to see women that truly believe they will never heal, actually transform into something they never could have imagined and that is obviously attributed to what I have at least put together, but I would say more attributed to them and the other women in the group that just helped them to feel so understood. So I seriously get on a whole thing whenever this question is asked. So I'm sorry. I literally was like, I'm going to keep it short and concise. And then I go into a
0: whole (laughs)
1: conversation.
0: No, but it's so awesome. And it shows like how passionate about it that you are. And it like, it must be so rewarding to be helping people that like you were once in a very similar position to see them like actually heal and to prove themselves wrong. And also very, very cool that they're doing it with other women, because I think that, is so helpful to have like other people to relate to, to like talk about some of like the struggles together and to also just like support one another going through that similar experience. So I think that's a really cool aspect of it. Where is like a way that people, if people are interested in that program, where do they find it?
1: Yeah, so my, I mean, it kind of depends on what's easiest for you, but my Instagram has it. So most people can find me there, which is at Mallory J page. So I won't spell it out in... (laughs) make it all exhaustive for you because I'm sure you probably will be able to see it with my name at some somewhere. But I have it linked there and you can check that out. And it has my full website too, which has other offerings because I know some people can't afford programs like this. So I have a free challenge that you can do. I have a journal that is less expensive. So lots of different things, but that's where the application for Live Unrestricted would be. And you can also just shoot me a DM or an email and, and I can always direct you there.
0: Okay, cool. And the last two questions that I always like to ask my guests is the first being, what is something you do every day that brings you joy?
1: Right now, I'm on a real reading kick, along with many of the women in America, which I love, because I feel like not just America in the world. So I feel like a lot of people are doing the same thing, so I'm all about that right now, and that's bringing me daily joy, but the realistic thing that's most likely bringing me daily joy most often is making my coffee in the morning, and then I also post that on Instagram with a daily reminder that is for my audience, but also for me. (laughs) So I start the day with coffee and with a daily reminder and I'm just set up to crush the day. So that's probably the things that I would say right now.
0: Oh, I really like that. I love, like, I'm like a tea girl. So I'm like, in the morning. I always love my tea and like something inspirational that's going to get me through the day. I love that. And then what is one quote or your favorite piece of advice that someone's ever given you?
1: It's so hard to say what my favorite piece of advice is, but I was in this business coaching program and I remember that I was just feeling really afraid of jumping into next steps with my business. But I feel like this advice can apply to anything. And she was just talking about how whenever you are about to up level, whenever you're about to grow, that is when you will have the most challenge, the most resistance. Oftentimes, You even feel like everything in your life is going wrong. And that's because you're being pushed to and kind of challenged to decide whether you want to grow or not. Because we really only grow into things that we're ready for. And the only way that we do end up growing is if we get uncomfortable. But then once you decide that you're willing to get uncomfortable to have that growth, then. The life challenges that you were dealing with, I feel like all kind of can become illuminated in a sense of why they happened and what was going on. Of course, I know that there's different extremes to that. So I'm talking a little bit more in like the general day-to-day level. And I feel like whenever I'm hitting a point of challenge in my life, I always try to remember that on the horizon, something... Good will be coming eventually. And for me, that's helpful. I know everyone has different mindsets around that, but I feel like sometimes when you're in a hard time, you got to be thinking something good is coming. So.
0: Yeah, no, I really like that. I think change can be really uncomfortable, but sometimes change is necessary, especially for reasons to, or being able to grow. So I think that's really helpful advice. Um, but before I let you go, if you want to let everyone know where they can find you.
1: Yeah, so I am at Mallory J Page on Instagram and TikTok as I try to fumble my way through TikTok over there. And I also have a podcast, which is Seems Like Diet Culture, so you can check that out. And pretty much everything is linked on my Instagram. That's kind of like my hub, including my website, Live Unrestricted, all of my different programs and things. So if you can find me there, then you'll
0: you'll find it all okay cool well thank you so much for being on yes thank you so much for having me